Hello and welcome to the Dot Ball Cricket Podcast, another episode uh, in our podcast that deals with South African cricket, uh, f- a big focus on the domestic game, but also of course the Proteas and there's a World Cup on at the moment, we're chatting uh, after the Proteas' impressive win over the West Indies uh, in Dubai in the T20 World Cup, it's October 27th and uh, South Africa have played two, won one and lost one. Uh, now at the T20 World Cup. Uh, with me, my great pleasure once again to welcome two former Proteas and spinner Paul Harris and all-rounder John Kent. Uh, hello, guys. How are we doing? How's it? How's it? Good yourself? Awesome, Kent. Thanks for having us. Very grateful to have you guys uh, on board. And uh, yeah, how about how about those Proteas, eh? Um, I, I did have a look at it at the online classifieds today, and I thought I saw a little advert for left-handed wicketkeeper batsman with IPL experience uh, looking for a franchise, uh, but we won't perhaps go into that too uh, in too much detail. Uh, just how impressive were the Proteas against the West Indies, given um, that they had a directive from Cricket South Africa on the morning of the game that all players must take the knee. Uh, to support Black Lives Matter. And then when they arrived at the ground, Quinton de Kock announced that he was not happy playing uh, under those conditions and withdrew from the team. So really a, a terrible build-up and prep uh, to the game. You guys will know better than me just how much of a disruption that must have been for the Proteas. Uh, how impressed were you with the way they bounced back to beat the West Indies? Yeah, look, I mean, I'll take that on first. Uh, obviously not an ideal situation for uh, for the Proteas at all. Um, but, you know, it's, it's almost typical South African, right? When the chips are down, uh, we tend to, uh, you know, stick together and play good cricket. So that was the most impressive thing is it was a pretty sort of all-round performance uh, from the Proteus. Um, you know, they uh, I bowled beautifully. Uh, maybe the odd, uh, you know, field, a blunder in the field. But besides that, it was sort of the, the perfect uh, the perfect game of cricket. So, you know, you got to be very excited with uh, with the way certainly Keshav Maharaj is bowling, and uh, Adam Markram. I mean, how good has he been? Funny that the two guys that not so long ago weren't uh, guaranteed spots in white ball cricket um, are actually doing uh, particularly well. So good to see. Obviously, worked very hard at their games. I mean, Adam Markram looks like his bat is four foot wide at the moment, and um, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, great points, Paul, about uh, Markram and Maharaj. I, I saw a stat. Yes, so that Markram is now actually the leading run scorer in T20 cricket this year. Uh, so from a guy who uh, was really in doubt whether he'd make the World Cup squad, um, he's certainly really nailed down uh, his place. And, and Keshav Maharaj bowling beautifully again. John, uh, it was a bit of a ropey start, uh, I must say, for the Proteas. Those first 10 overs, it certainly looked like they were a bit shell-shocked by what had happened before the game and, and who can blame them. But what a comeback in those last 10 overs of the West Indies innings. Yeah, just the, uh, like a guy like a Nokia, you know, that economy, uh, the pace he's bowling, what he's bringing to the side. Um, obviously, myself and Paul, also huge fans of, of Shamsi, so I'm also trying to keep a close eye on how he's doing. Um, obviously, a little bit more expensive, not striking as much as we'd like, but I'm sure, you know, he's 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 finding his feet, He's he's got the class about him, and he'll still have a big role to play in the you know the the rest of these pool games coming up but i also like the um obviously coming to form of rossi funderson in that last warm up game 
Um, I'm liking that, you know, the two players at three and four that are really, you know, taking taking it on and, and making a huge impact at a big event, which you were really needing. Um, so I think that's very important. Um, as well as our middle order, the likes of Klaassen and Miller are also going to need to really step up and, and have a role to play in some of these games to come against the likes of England, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Those are going to be big games for us as well. Yeah, you mentioned Tabay Shamsi, and, and one of the things I liked about the performance against the West Indies was no de Kock and Shamsi went for 37 and three overs, so uh, a rare off day for him. But great that two players who the Proteas have really been very reliant on in white ball cricket uh, for the last while, uh, not much contribution from them, and yet they still managed to come out on the winning side, Paul. It is. Uh, you know, the more com- the more guys that are contributing to the team, the, the better. Um, you know, uh, we have seen how good Shamsi has been over the last little while. Uh, I have no doubt he's going to be amazing. As the com- as the um, competition goes on, he's going to be incredible and play his part as we know he can. Um, you know, I'd like to see a few more guys at the bat. I'd love to see Muller get in and uh, and score. Uh, you know, get a nice big score and contribute as well. Uh, going. Uh, sort of later down into the tournament, but certainly, you know, you can take it one game at a time, and uh, you know that was uh, a much improved performance. Uh, and you know, beating the the sort of defending champions, albeit not at their best, not the point. Uh, you know, I think it's really shot a warning sign to other teams in the tournament. Let's chat a bit about uh, Quinton de Kock's replacement uh, at the top of the order, Reza Hendricks. Uh, played a good innings, thirty nine or thirty balls, a good positive start to the Proteus innings. Uh, John, he's he's obviously not as explosive and as much of a sort of individual match winner as a Quinton de Kock, but are, are you confident that Reza can do a job for us at the top of the order going forward? I'm confident that he can do the job. I think if the role we really need is someone who can strike at 150. Um, you know, like someone like Quinny is, is able to offer that and um, he can get bigger scores. But even if even if he were to get, you know, sort of 25 or 12 balls, as an example, that gives gets us off to a real flyer, and it opens opportunities and, and takes pressure off us in in the power play. So, I think that's going to be important. You know, trying to make the most of that power play. Um, some of these games could be a little bit trickier in those middle overs, some sort of seven to 12 round there with the spinners. It might be a bit trickier, but if we get off to a flyer, you know what I mean, he he would have done a great job. Yeah, historically uh, on the subcontinent, uh, the the first power player has been probably the easiest time to bat. So it's it's very important to capitalise there, Paul, isn't it? It is, but I mean, we've seen the ball swing. So, uh, you know, we, had, we didn't see it swing in the IPL, uh, but now all of a sudden it's, uh, it's swinging quite a bit. So, you know, it's been quite tough at the top of the order, uh, you know, maybe besides uh, the odd team here or there. Um, you know, we could have fallen in, the, in those power plays. So um, the ball is swinging, uh, and it would be interesting to see if it continues to swing as the, as the tournament goes on. So it doesn't swing for long. So I think you're probably going to have to look to be a little bit more conservative in those first three overs and then uh, look to have a crack towards those last three of the power play. Mm. Speaking of surprises, and, and I think we have been a little bit surprised uh, in the opening week of the T20 World Cup, uh, just how much there has been in the pitches for the quick bowlers. Uh, a quick shout-out to Mogadishu. Would you guys believe that Mogadishu, the capital of Somalia, is the city in the world where this podcast, the Dot Ball podcast, is the most popular? Our largest amount of listeners 
come from Mogadishu. So a shout out to you guys. Great to have you along. Uh, just doesn't 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 really bode well for us. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, don't don't uh, don't sledge our <laughs> our listeners. We must get AB on the call, maybe it'll lift it lift it a bit. <laughs> well, Paul, if you can organise AB, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So speaking of surprises, I, I think it has been a bit of a surprise that the pitchers so far at the T20 World Cup in the first week have actually given the pace bowlers a little bit of assistance. And the Proteas are only playing two frontline spinners in Shamsi and Maharaj, uh, whereas I think there was some expectation that they might even play three. Um, have, have you guys been surprised by the conditions? And are you guys happy with the balance of the uh, South African attack with uh, the, the two quicks, Robada and Nokia, two spinners, uh, Dwayne Pretorius, who did a great job, uh, against the West Indies as a third seamer and then, and then uh, Markram as a sixth bowler, if you like. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, it's worked. It, you know, it worked and certainly worked in the in the in the last game against the West Indies. Uh, you know, it might be a out and out bowler light. Uh, you know, you kind of want six op, six proper options. Um, but you know, with uh, the spinners uh, having their say in the tournament, you know, having Markram there, it, it certainly does. Uh, you know, sort of fill that gap but uh you know your top five bowlers would have to bowl pretty much all the overs so yeah it, it, it is a it is good I mean, you don't got pace uh, you've got out and out pace with the two real quicks and you've got uh, the wrist spin and the left arm spin and then you've got a sort of medium pace if the wicket's slow so it does cover um all the bases but if i was really greedy i'd want one more proper option john do you agree with that i mean is that the bowling attack that you would take uh going forward uh, providing i guess that the pitches stay much the same yeah i think i'm happy with it at the moment i think the you know we could probably the other addition that we could you know that are, that are pushing really is, is the milders the the fortains and Gidi. so you know those are the other options there at our disposal um but yeah i'm i'm, I'm happy with it at the moment i think like you're saying Pretorius, if we get a little bit slower you can roll the fingers over it you bolt towards the back end of this last innings which is pretty Good to have that he's able to do that, that we don't have to go with Robada and Nokia at the end every time. But he's shown he, he only bowled a shorter spell and he took a couple of wickets. Um, and his experience, I think, will help him quite a bit in that in, in that instance where, you know, he, he can mix it up quite a bit and, and hopefully continue taking wickets um, at the back end as well. But I, I'm pretty happy at this point. Obviously, fitness and, you know, Form uh, depending, there's uh, the likes of Ngidi. Hopefully, he's also pushing for a spot soon if there's a gap for him. But I think it's more likely that the introduce, introduction of like a Fortane would probably be be more uh, on point. Yeah, John. The other thing I just wanted to ask you uh, about is uh, Aidan Markram, his reinvention really as a as a T20 batsman. Um, he's mostly been used before opening the batting, which perhaps you can explain to us just. How hard is how hard is it for a guy to go uh, from the top of the order to then having to slot in in the middle order um, and not knowing whether he's going to have twelve overs to bat or one and a half? Yeah, I think he's he's, he's gifted. We we all very aware of the ability, and I think we should be more impressed by how he's been able to adapt in these different positions. Obviously, opening the batting last season in domestic cricket and Test cricket. Um, 
you know, that's where he first got in. But I, I, I've been liking him at, at three, to be honest. I don't know what Paul maybe thinks that maybe three or four is better, but I, I like where he's getting himself in there. And I think even in the in the test team, as an example, like he could do that job at three or four as well for us. I think that's maybe in the you know future looking forward now in all the different formats. I think there's huge uh, ability because that's such a tough position to fill those three and four in, in every team lineup. Um, so I'm very excited that he's like a duck to water there and doing so nicely. Paul, uh, Rusty van der Dusen, we know it does take a little bit of time to get going, but invariably then catches up extremely well um, in his innings. Is it better to have a guy like that at three or him at four? Look, I suppose it's a difficult one at the moment because they're both in form. Uh, you have to look and see who's most destructive, I would imagine, is Markram. Uh, although, you know, watching Rusty the other night when in that warm-up game, you, you know, he batted superbly. But to your point, it takes a bit of time. So it also depends on how much time is left in the, in, in the innings. But you certainly want, I think, Markram facing as many balls as possible. So, uh, you know, tricky one. Three or four doesn't really bother me. But, you know, if there's five overs left, you know, then you've got to sort of have, have a relook at it. Uh, but in general, you know, I'd have Markram coming in at three. Uh, but I know that obviously sort of uh, um, suits the side better if there's a lot of time for Rassi to come in. Um, you know, we're in sort of in a fortunate position where they're both in good form. So, you know, you could pick either or. Um, but I like the fact that uh, he scores so quickly, doesn't he? I mean, Markram, he, he just doesn't seem to be able to, you know, you find the middle of the bat, he's finding the gaps. You know, if it's, if, you know, we, we need someone to have an incredibly good tournament for us to win it. And if he's the informed guy, get him in. Yeah, so far the, the quickest half century in the tournament uh, thus far. And uh, yeah, I, I guess T20 cricket flexibility is such a vital thing there. Um, and I guess, as you say, Paul, depending on uh, when the first wicket goes down, how many overs left, uh, that'll dictate the batting order. Uh, Paul, coming up for the Proteus, we have Sri Lanka on Saturday uh, and then Bangladesh next week, the two... Uh, qualifiers who have landed up in the Proteus pool, but both subcontinental sides and both presumably quite comfortable playing in those positions. How how tough are those matches going to be for the Proteus? Yeah, tough. We'll have to have our A game. I mean, Sri Lanka have been a bit of a surprise for me. And they, you know, leading up to it, the last sort of 18 months, they've been pretty poor, let's be honest. They haven't looked like winning much. So uh, they've obviously got something. Mickey's got them going. And uh, they're playing some decent cricket. So we're going to have to have our A game there um, against uh, what's turning out to be a decent side. And then, you know, you can always, a uh, slippery uh, banana peel can always be Bangladesh. So, you know, you're going to have to make sure you've got uh, your A game. And, you know, these protest players will be hungry. They've got a point to prove, uh, you know, there's been obviously a lot of negative stuff around. And uh, they haven't played the best, their best cricket over the last while. So they'll have a point to prove. And who knows what can happen? You get in a bit of a role. Uh, you know, win your next two, and uh, and anything can happen. So I'm uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Uh, there were some massive positive signs from uh, from uh, the game before, and uh, I I'm backing them to win those two those two games. Yeah, if they do that, then uh, they might well qualify. Whatever the results uh, of the England game, uh, John, anything you you feel the Proteas really need to work on. Uh, in these these next three games, anything they need to watch out for, improve in their game? I think, yeah, I think Paul says there's a couple of, you don't want to really drop the ball against some of these guys. I think you, you give them a, a little bit of an opening where we, we might lose back-to-back wickets 
in the middle overs against one of these sides, and then a, a new batter's got to come in and face Hasarangas and Shakib Al Hassans and those sort of bowlers that are not going to be the easiest to to just get after. But I think if we get off to a really good start with ball or or with bats in hand, it's really important we sort of we keep you know the foot on on the on the throat and the foot on the on the pedal basically throughout the game because I think if we just give these guys a little bit of a a sniff, that's where they thrive and they really just all over you after that. Um, so I think it's just a case of really getting off to a really good start in in both of those games, and then I think it'll be fairly you know straightforward I would think thereafter. Um, if the foundation set with bat or ball early on, I think we'll be in a really good position. Yeah, so, so far, so good for the Proteas. Uh, one one last run in the T20 World Cup, but a very important win uh, over the West Indies, uh, whose net run rate now is, is so bad uh, that it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for them to qualify uh, after being bowled out for 55 by England. So, Let's hope the Proteas grow uh, from strength to strength in the T20 World Cup. Gentlemen, moving on to the domestic scene, and uh, we've already had one competition completed uh, in the South African summer, and that was the CSA T20 Provincial Knockout. And uh, the winners were picked in advance by Paul Harris, the uh, Free State Knights uh, emerging triumphant. But uh, I think some people, Potch of Stuart Way, might have a few question marks about whether they were worthy winners or not, uh, because they were extremely lucky in their semi-final, weren't they? Well, yeah, they were, they were catching a bit of a snot club in their, in their semi-final. So, uh, you know, look, I suppose they had their one bad game, and that was the, the bad game. They were fortunate. Every now and then you needed a little bit of luck. But uh, I think, uh, you know, the best team in the tournament probably ended up winning. Um, you know, they got experience all around. Uh, they led very well, apart from Bullion's good cricketer. You know, you've got your uh, Fudgy Badardin, great to see him uh, still playing cricket and passing down uh, his knowledge. Riley Rousseau, who was probably the player of the tournament. Um, yeah, look, they deserve to win it. And uh, I'm glad they did. Glad for uh, everybody there. They were uh, the deserved winners in the end. And, uh, you know, good to see some decent cricket, although I. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't uh, the the world's uh, best watcher of that tournament, but I heard there were over 50 drop catches, which is not uh, which is not a great uh, stat. That's a pretty horrific stat, actually. So maybe a bit of work to do with uh, with the sort of the provincial teams and their fielding. Yeah, yeah, Paul. Indeed. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the Knights, with uh, just that really powerful batting lineup of theirs, led by Riley Rousseau, but uh, you know, in the final, Pat Van Balloon coming good. Uh, Fahan Berdine, uh, as he did most of the tournament, crucial contribution towards the end. Uh, and really a, a very good pace bowling attack. Uh, Miguel Pretorius, Gerald Kutsia, but a guy like Alfred Matoa did a, a vital job in the final. And uh, a bit of a new face in Nielan van Heerden, uh, also uh, performing very well in the final. John, you were very actively involved uh, in broadcasting and, and commentating on that whole uh, competition, including the final uh, where the Free State beat the KZN Dolphins. Just your views on that? Yeah, I think I'll just go back to the, the semis where obviously the Dolphins played the, the Titans and Zondo played a pretty good knock to get them over the line when they were having a bit of a wobble. Um, but I, yeah, it is a little bit concerning for me in the South African franchise system what's happening at the Titans, to be honest. They, they haven't, you know, they're not really getting to finals in the last two seasons which is like 
you know, I mean, that perennial winners, that perennial good sides, you know, for, for as long as we can all rem- remember. So I'm a little bit concerned about, I don't know what's happening there, but it's, it's not quite as easy going as it's always used to be. Um, so they, they've obviously struggled to, to put some form and some good form together as a team. Um, but going back to the other game, um, obviously that Urban Buerta and Wesley Marshall, they were pretty exciting. They, were, they really lit it up in that, that afternoon. And, and, and it came down to about 10 minutes, really. You know, an extra 10 minutes, they would have got that five overs in and it would have been very different. But you've got to say that the Knights were the best side by, by some margin um, in, in what they were putting out there, batting unit, bowling unit. They were far superior to, to all the other teams by quite some distance. So it would have been a bit of a sad uh, way to go out if they were to have gone out in that fashion after five overs, uh, Northwest going wild, you know, with a bat in hand. But they were they were the right team to go through. Very pleased that they won it. For Alan Donald as well, the, the, their, their coach. So great moment for them. And it's been many years since they've won a trophy. So very pleasing for them. Uh, the Dolphins obviously losing um, in that final. Um, yeah, they didn't quite put it together, to be honest. Some of the bowling wasn't the best. Uh, you say some of those drop catches, as Paul was saying, that was a real standout, a glaring problem in our domestic game. Um, and that's got to improve very quickly um, from, from every team, really. It was, wasn't quite good enough. Um, so there'll be something they need to really sort out. They're going into the four-day cricket now. They've got um, for two months, and then they've got Momentum Cup in the new year. Uh, MSL and the 50 over in the 2020 starts again in the new year so they'll want to really sort this out as soon as possible Yeah. Just for those who don't know uh, in the semi-final of this uh, CSA Provincial T20 Cup uh, the Free State Knights came up against their neighbours the Northwest Dragons uh, Northwest restricted the Knights to just 127 for 7 uh, in 19 overs the game was reduced by rain already um, and then Northwest were 42 without loss after two and a half overs. Uh, so, they, so they only needed another uh, 80. Their target was 130. So they needed another 88 runs uh, in 16 and a half overs, uh, which uh, uh, it, it would have taken quite some doing for them to mess that up. Uh, but uh, fortunately for the Knights, uh, the rain returned and uh, the Knights going through uh, on the basis of a higher net run rate through the tournament. Um, yeah, John, just to pick up your point about um, how the Titans have dropped off uh, in in franchise cricket, and I'm sure Paul Harris is one of their legends, uh, might want to comment on that as well. Uh, there definitely seems to be quite a power shift uh, in South African cricket at the moment. And uh, the KZN Dolphins are at the forefront of that, uh, making another final in the T20 on the losing end this time. Uh, What do you make of their side? And do you just feel maybe a little bit too reliant on Darren Dupavillon and and Otniel Bartman, uh, who really were outstanding with the ball all tournament? Yeah, they were excellent. They got a couple of forfeits each in the pool and then obviously in these bigger games down the line, which was good to see when they step up in a big game. Um, yeah, it was Antini. It was one of their seamers. They had uh, Deswart as a seamer. They, I think a big loss for them this week would have been Sir Brian. He's normally their captain. Uh, he hurt his ankle in the pool round. And then uh, Rulofsson also. He was, uh, I think he's out injured. So, yeah, I think that was a bit of a blow to their their hopes up front. 
Um, obviously, Keegan Peterson, he's he was used to open the batting. Obviously, his strike rate, you know, his uh, hasn't played that much T20 cricket. Um, but in the, in the earlier games, he managed to bat through and get them through those tough periods. Um, but I think amongst, obviously, they've lost players like a Mutasami and a Robbie Freilink at the end of last season. Those are also two guys that had a, quite a big influence on, you know, their, their white ball cricket, I would think, in particular. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they can cope and, and the young players step up to fill those, fill those boots this season. Yeah, two really big white ball players missing for the Dolphins in the knockout rounds in opener Grant Rulofsen and, and offspinner and captain Prenelin Sibrian. Uh Paul, the domestic teams move on to the four-day competition uh, starting this weekend. Uh, just picking up on John's comments about the Titans, do you have anything to say about that as a, as a Titans legend? Are you, are you concerned and uh, are you expecting them to really contend uh, as they have in the past in the four-day competition? I must say it is a slight worry. Uh, you know, I think the, the more of the worry is is the is, is what is getting produced, sort of the youngsters getting produced uh, out of the region. Um, you know, it's been a sort of uh, player printing machine for quite some time, and uh, you know the structures are generally pretty good. So maybe you have to have a look at that. I think where uh, you know the Titans were really good in times gone by, if we were sort of, sort of weak in one position. So sort of a stopgap would have to be getting out that checkbook and maybe looking to see where you can plug a few holes. But, you know, certainly I remember when I sort of first joined Northerns at the time and then became the Titans, that, uh, you know, the, the, the team that we always played against that were really tough was uh, was, was Natal. You know, sort of back when John was playing, Dal Benkenstein, you know, Klusner, you know, back in the heyday of... Uh, of KwaZulu Natal cricket, and it was really tough. And it's good to see them doing well again. Um, you know, the, co- the uh, from from a coastal team perspective. And then we used to have some serious battles against Free State. You know, they had uh, some serious players. You know, Morning from Vague, Shark Rudolph was there for a while. Johan van der Watt, Dylan de Prier, You know, even uh, Nick Boyer when he was still playing. You know, there's some serious, serious tussles and battles uh, that we had against them. So good to see them coming back. Um, you know, you'd like to see your Northerns, your sort of Gautengs and your Western provinces uh, doing well because that's, you know, sort of your bigger provinces where, you you know, you're going to hopefully tap into the biggest uh, pool of players. And it's always concerning when those uh, sort of regions aren't doing well. Um, I foresee, uh, certainly uh, to answer your question, the Titans to so- solve their problems fairly quickly, whether it's this season or the next. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to go through, I hate it, but I'm going to say it, the, a rebuilding phase. Um, but it uh, seems like they're in that now. So, you know, it's been a, it's obviously a purple patch for the last, uh, I don't know, however how long for for the Titans. They've, you know, sort of created a winning culture there, and, you know, the standards are incredibly high. Yeah, these things do tend to be uh, a little bit cyclical, and uh, I think it's just great that there are different teams dominating uh, in South African domestic cricket, and we don't just see the same uh, one or two teams winning everything all the time. Just to end off, John Kent, uh, were there any players in this in this uh, CSA T20 Provincial Knockout uh, who really stood out for you, who maybe uh, announced themselves on a on a slightly bigger stage? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the in that Titans side, they had quite a few guys that had, you know, played for some time. Um, and, and they had a guy, Ferreira, who, who he works at a sports shop and he had to ask for leave, apparently, to, to get playing in this tournament. And he was brilliant in Bloemfontein, in the middle order. Uh, he got some good partnerships with Makanya. 
And I, I just thought Ferreira is probably like the real guy who, you know, really stood up and, and he played some really great innings and hit the ball miles. So he was, for me, the, the, the standout the standout sort of player that we haven't really seen that much of in previous times. Um, yeah, like for me, he was probably the, the, you know, the biggest uh, you know, standout effort throughout the tournament. Really exciting. I enjoyed also that Urban Boerter, um, pretty handy. It was quite funny. He broke two bats in a row in about two overs in that in that semi-final. It was hilarious. His bats were just exploding. But uh, he, it was, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Obviously, it's, it has some new faces. It's always great. Also, in some of those provincial teams, um, a couple of guys, uh, you know, really good to see some fast bowlers and a couple of batsmen also sticking their hands up. But uh, yeah, I, I would say Ferreira for me would be the you know the standout name. Yeah, an absolutely uh, amazing story, Donovan Ferreira, uh, uncontracted, uh, harking back to the days of real amateur cricketers. Uh, but I'll be amazed uh, if he uh, doesn't get some form of contract uh, very quickly, given how well he played in the T20. That's it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much to Paul Harris and John Kent. Uh, once again, for their expert inputs, uh, we'll be chatting again uh, once the Proteas complete their uh, group phase in the T20 World Cup, hopefully with victories over Sri Lanka, Bangladesh and England. And uh, also, we'll have some four-day domestic cricket to talk about. And uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, to this podcast if you'd like to hear all the news and the expert views on South African cricket, both local and international. And you can find us on Twitter at dot podcast. And uh, as Paul Harris says, even in Somalia, uh, you can contact us and we very much look forward to hearing from you all. Thanks very much, Paul and John. And uh, thank you to you, our listeners.